0: Welcome to the Ducks on the Pond podcast. This is episode two. We're here again with Justin and Charlie. Uh, Phil will not be here again this week, unfortunately. Um, he did send in something for one of our uh, topics this week, so I will make sure to bring that up. Uh, we have Justin here. Justin, what have you been up to? Um,
1: not much. I just started this TikTok channel. It's right up here. It's supposed to say. Justin Ducks on the Pond podcast, but as my wife pointed out, it does say Justin.pp. So, that'll be an easy one for everybody to remember, I'm sure. But other than that, that's about all I've been doing.
0: Whatever you got to do to generate views. <laughs> right. Charlie, what do you got going on this week?
2: Uh, not much. Not much at all. Just looking forward to the podcast.
0: Yep. Well, and Vikings. You know, I Vikings know. Hey, yeah, Vikings. But, but you got a lot to look for with the Vikings. So,
1: Mr. Kirk Huggins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our first topic is a topic I uh, chose by Justin this week, and he wants to go over robotic umps and thoughts on the robotic umps that they're using in the minor leagues and how they would affect the major leagues and just thoughts in general. So we'll start off with Charlie on this
2: one. Um, So the one, I'm not a huge fan of the robo umps just in general. I don't think like, you know, I think in a lot of ways it takes away from different, like it takes. Pretty much the entire catcher jobs away. Like you don't, you know, you framing pitches doesn't really matter anymore. There's row bombs, all that kind of thing. The one thing I find interesting though is the like appealing strikes and balls. Like you know, you can do it like once every inning or something like that. I don't remember what the stipulations are, but that's interesting to me because there, there. I mean, there were a couple calls last year, you know, in the playoffs specifically there was like, oh my gosh, that was a really bad call. And that, you know, led to, you know, runs or whatever. Um, So I think, you know, challenging a, a ball strike pitch, you know, maybe once an inning or once in that bat or something like that would be something to look at.
0: Yeah. One of the things if you guys at home aren't familiar is the way it works is the pitch gets thrown and it's called a, I believe it's a track man but it, it basically, where wherever the pitch goes, it shows you the location on there. The location gets phoned into the umpire. I'm not sure how that's connected. I, I never was able to find out. It basically used the word phone. So it, it could be in his ear like a Bluetooth, but then he physically calls it. So for those of you who are unsure how it's going to work, you know, is it like a Jetsons where they have just a robotic ump? No, it's 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 more of like a little black box or machine.
1: It's like, Alice from the Jetsons. She's yeah. behind the plate. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Just spinning around the bases. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I'm I'm like Charlie on this one. I'm not a fan of robotic umps. One of the reasons is it takes the human element out of the game for me, and I enjoy the human element and the airs and games. They're they're part of some of baseball's most memorable moments. I think we all remember the Galarraga perfect game. Yes, it was terrible that that happened. Uh, but it is one of the most memorable moments in baseball history. Um, I still think, in my opinion, he had a perfect game, but we all know it's not in the books. But we got to remember that robotic umps are not perfect. Um, In an article from Odyssey, um, 7% of pitches um, were were not reported. So whenever it doesn't report a pitch, it just doesn't make a call. If you, so if they, if it's a pitch and it doesn't, let's say it glitches or it doesn't, it can't make a determination. It just does not make that call. Mm-hmm. So I have, a, I have kind of a problem with that, you know, cause then you're reverting back to umps and if we're going to do it with a certain amount, yeah. why aren't they just doing it? Right. So that's yeah, why risk the it? Things that bothers me <laughs> um, about it. Um, I'm trying to see any last things. Yeah. I mean, you got the challenges on there too. To Charlie's point, uh, from what I read, you get three and only the pitcher catcher um or the hitter are the only ones that can challenge it so and you're only allowed three if you get it correct like if your challenge if you end up getting it overturned you don't lose the challenge um if you do you lose the challenge pretty much similar to football um justin your thoughts
1: yeah so um i'll just I'll, i'll save my thought for the end uh but, yeah, right now it's being used in the minors this year coming up, and it was used last year too. Um, and as long as A- Angel Hernandez is still allowed to make balls and strike calls, we're probably going to get it in the major leagues here soon. Um, I think within the next two years. I did find an interesting quote by Mookie Bet- Betts about it. Um, so <clears throat> he's come out and spoke and stated, while we are professionals, so we will adjust to the situation um, because that's what we're paid to do. But he said for his preference, you're taking the human element out of the game which is the whole point of it yeah if an error happens with an umpire that's part of the game itself and you take advantage of that that's the whole purpose of the human element um and taking that out just he said it just becomes too technical and too analytical and it's ruining the game for everyone that was his quote (laughs) um i gotta say i have to agree with him you know um, you're taking out what makes the game beautiful is those errors and those things that do fire you up because it does matter. But at the same time, so does that human error, you know, that's, that's, that's the changing point of the game at that point. Um, you know, it's almost like if you take that out, it's like putting the, putting MLB the show on beginner, you know, where that ball is going to be every time. you know? So it just, then that's just how I feel about it. Um, it's almost like where they took collisions out of home plate. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I get it at second with the sliding, a lot of legs can be broken but I think we still need to have that inputted back in to baseball at home plate too. So I think, you know, just ruining that, just taking human element out, is just ruining the game all in general, in my opinion. But yeah, that's what, that's kind of what I'm thinking about.
0: <laughs> What's it also going to do for the pace of the game? Because if you think yeah. about it, if you're, you have these challenges, if you're successful and it doesn't, you don't use up a challenge, then I mean, what's to stop you from keep doing it? Is there I didn't read about any limitations uh right. in general other than the three. So what if uh you know Charlie's up on the bat and he gets one right and then later in the game he does it again. Each time I feel like it's slowing down the game because I mean you gotta look at it. There's gotta I'm assuming there has to be a conversation. Um and I just think if you're trying to quicken up the game, uh, isn't that
2: counterproductive? Right. What do you yeah, think? I, think- I, did, I did see a clip of it used in the minor league, and it Thanks. did seem to go pretty quick. Like it was, you know, the batter took the pitch, tapped his helmet. They showed it on the video board. Um, Actually, like added a little bit of excitement to the game of like, oh, let's look at the board. We can see if it was a ball strike. And then they looked, and I think they reversed the call, and then it, it was over within 15 seconds. So yeah. good
0: point. Yeah, I'm not sure I can
2: see it affecting a little bit, but like I said, if anything, maybe it adds a little excitement to the game.
0: Yeah. I was thinking for like people who have like little uh, little nuances up at the plate, like Nomar Garcia. Para used to do a bunch of stuff. What if they're like, uh, you can't tap your helmet anymore because we're going to think you're challenging the call because <laughs> the helmet taps, the gloves, the toe taps, like. Yeah. You know, I remember being in the box, and I used to have like a thing where I would just like adjust my, you know what I mean, helmet when mm-hmm. I was after every pitch. to something like I picked up and was like a habit when I got into the box. So, um, so we're all not in favor. All no, like, not in favor. Not in favor. <laughs> That's what it sounds like Charlie looks indifferent to me. So
2: yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I think that like this last year there was a lot of missed calls and it's started you know it started to become a, a big issue and so i think the league should do something about it i don't know what the correct answer is to what we're going to do about it but to do nothing about it seems almost as bad um so i don't know what the answer is but i Just, think, I, like, think that- I think the league i think the league has to do something at some point cuz like and like you said, some of these umpires that are in games, like Angel Hernandez, whenever you see him on the, on the slate to, to umpire a yeah. the game, they're like, oh, this is going to suck. Um, and so it, you know, it's like that kind of thing. So I just think yeah, if, I if,
1: if they're worried about like missing big games like that, I think there needs to be some sort of regulation with how many they're allowed to like completely blow, you know what I mean? Like. There has to be some sort of accountability for umpires. I don't think you need to punish the players all that much. I think it just needs to come down to the umpires and how they conduct their own business. Because of course, it's a whole separate, you know, business at that point for them. They just have. There's got to be some. There's got. There's got to be like some sort of accountability for those umpires, and there really isn't any.
0: So. They have an umpire scorecard, but I don't know how they utilize that. I don't know if there's any yeah. sort of coaching opportunities or discipline. Because if that was the case, then how how the hell is it? Yeah.
2: I was gonna say I, I know that like really those kind of help towards like who's gonna umpire the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, it doesn't ever seem like I don't know. There's not like a rotation like there is in the major leagues. Like if in the major leagues you're kind of you know sucking it up and not playing very well, it's like all right, you know we're gonna put you down in the minor leagues for a little bit, let you you know work try to find your rhythm a little bit because this is the major leagues. You know, if there was some some system like that for umpires where, you know, okay, we're going to send you to, you know, a different league and you're going to umpire there and hopefully get your stride back a little bit more uh-huh. and then and then bring it back to the majors or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad idea either. Having some sort of a call down system. That's not bad. want how that works.
0: <laughs> I do want to stay with those 7% missed calls. It is analytics. I mean, they yeah. will know which ones are missed and I'm sure they'll recalibrate um, certain ones because they work off of cal- uh, calibrations. I think that's the correct word I'm looking for. Um, but they will fix it. I'm sure there's going to be software upgrades and stuff like that. So whatever they see wrong is going to get addressed. I mean, that's why they're ironing it out in the the minor leagues. So. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for improvement of the game in the end, if it makes the game better and I'm all for change. So I, I, I yeah. will, you know, I'm still going to watch baseball and I do have an open mind. So even if I don't fully yeah. agree with it right now, I, I'm still going to give it a chance. And I think that's it. Like,
1: yeah. I say, yeah, my big thing a couple years ago, I hated, you know, Rick, I hated the idea of getting rid of the DH and the NL. I hated that idea. Now that I've seen it in action, I'm like, all right, I get it. <laughs> Once I went to a live game, I was like, okay, I get it now, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I got to open mind to every change. I might not like it at first, but I'll probably like it in the end.
0: All you gotta do away with is just one Bartolo home run. You know that you're gonna miss every now and then. If you're okay. all right, I
1: can't. I can't do this. I can't do this podcast anymore. I'm gonna
0: have to leave. Yeah, Bartolo. <laughs> Poor Bartolo. Or
2: like the uh, get every once in a while get a Noah Syndergaard game. Yeah, and he like went like four for four. Yeah, four, four, four. RBI's, a home run, or something like that. He could hit, man. He could hit. Yeah, he. he... He yeah, can definitely hit. I like, hate him, but he could
0: every hit. Now, in a moment like H- Hector Santiago when he played with the White Sox, where he forgets he's in the National League and having to bat, and nobody notices that he's not in the on deck circle, and he <laughs> literally went down into the clubhouse, and they had to get him. And so when he came out, they were playing the mats, and uh, they were the fans were booing him mercifully when he came out because he took so long to get out there. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I mean, get I get why he didn't.
0: <laughs> I know why you get. Uh let's move on to the second topic. Uh this is Charlie's topic on there, and this is this is probably gonna be a long one, but uh Charlie's <laughs> gonna go over uh war.
2: So my topic is gonna be on war, and there are two different like types of war or like the way they they measure war is different, and one's fangrafts war and one's um baseball reports war. I'm gonna just do baseball references war. Today And then we'll do fans graph, maybe a different day, but I'm just going to talk about how I think war just doesn't quite measure up how good a player is when you're talking, especially when you measure up some players side by sides. So I'm going to do some like side by side players from 2022 and have you guys guess who has the better war. And then I'm going to do some like all time war leaders and you guys have you guys guess who's got a better war. Um, So I'll start with a couple that I think are pretty close. And see if you guys can guess them. So I'll give you guys uh, Pete Alonzo versus Jeremy Pena. Who do you think had a better war? Pena. I'm going to go Alonzo. Pena had a 4.8 war. Pete Alonzo had a 4.4 4 war. Mm, do it. And then I'll go over their stats. Uh, Pete Alonzo hit 271 with 40 home runs, 131 RBIs, five stolen bases on base percentage of 352 slugging 518 ops 869 ops plus of 164 Jeremy Peña hit 253 22 home runs 63 RBIs 11 stolen bases on base percentage 289 426 uh for slugging ops 715 ops plus 101 so in every single hitting category Pete Alonso was miles better um however when you look at defensive war, uh Jeremy Pena had a 2.4 defensive war, Pete Alonso had a negative 1.1 defensive war. Yep. And so when you look at those two things, and then when you when you compare their errors, Pete Alonso only had eight errors this year, Jeremy Pena had 19 errors this year and still had a higher defensive war because how they judge their defensive war is defensive runs saved. Mm-hmm. As a first baseman how many runs are you going to save for right. short stuff? How many runs are you going to save? So to me, it's just one of those where you can't really compare players. Over using this warm metric and it's hard to to rank players over other players.
0: Unless well, some um, of them so get be- to balls that other ones won't in my opinion. So your Tim Anderson's and your, and your Bichettes are going to get to balls that other guys can't get to, and they're going to get credited with airs. So that's why I don't think those airs matter. I mean,
1: they might Yeah, that's not calculated in there. Yeah. When
0: calculated, so to Charlie's yeah. point, when he's saying 19 airs, I mean, he first hand saw what Penny can do defensively. Mm-hmm. So you know, his 19 are like, okay. and that's
1: and on, and like knowing how war is like based off of because when I did my research, that's how I knew like Pete Alonso wasn't going to come close because he's a subpar defensive first baseman like yeah he's gotten better over the years he's been there but me watching him I I knew he's gonna blow him out of the water on hits and base you know home runs and stuff like that but his fielding ability is not even close like at all <laughs> so
2: great so I'll do I'll do pitchers war next um so the two I was comparing um Nestor Cortez versus Framber Valdez. who do you think's got a better war
1: let's say uh this is Yankees pitcher right
2: Cortez. Nester Cortez, yeah, the Yankees pitcher. I'll choose him. I'll choose him. I'll choose Nestor also. On Nestor did at four point. He had a four point two WAR. Framber Valdez had a three point seven WAR. Um, uh, Nestor Cortez had one hundred and fifty eight innings pitched. Framber had two hundred and one. Wow. Uh, Nestor Cortez <laughs> went twelve and four wins and losses. Framber Valdez went seventeen and six. Uh, ERA. Framber had or uh, Nestor had two point four four uh framber had 2.84 uh framber had 194 strikeouts and nestor cortez had 163 and then uh, cortez had a better whip as well um however when you looked at the cy young votes framber finished in fifth and nestor finished in eighth interesting which is interesting um but, yeah, these two I thought we were a little bit closer anyway. I Like you said, you both guessed Nord, uh, Nestor Cortez, so I thought it would be pretty close, but they, they're saying that Nestor Cortez is a half half of a win better than uh, Fran Valdez. Um. So then I'll do uh, Adley Rutschman versus Rafael Devers. It's got to be Devers. With a, I say it's
1: got to be Rutschman. It's got to be
2: Devers. Richmond had a 5.2 war. Devers had a 4.4. Three
1: for three. Let's go. <laughs>
2: um, Adley Richmond's average, 254. Raphael Devers' average, 295. Richmond hit uh, 13 home runs. Devers hit 27. Richmond had 42 RBIs. Uh, Raphael Devers had 88. They had the right around the same uh, stolen bases. Um Rutschman actually had a better on base percentage despite Raphael Devers having that much bigger of an average. He had a two sixty two or a three sixty two average and uh on base percentage and Devers had a three fifty eight. Um but boom, going back to defensive war, Rutschman had a one point five defensive war. Devers had a negative 0.3 defensive war. And that was
0: so how many games? What's the difference in games? Because I believe Rutchman only played a little more than half.
2: I did not look up games, but I can pull it up real quick.
0: Because I know he didn't play the full season.
2: Uh, I just
1: think, you know, to kind of fill the space here, uh, I'll just throw out it. I just feel like war is just this really overcomplicated stat to justify these big players underperforming. You know, like, yeah, they may be a below average hitter, but they're better in the field. So you're telling me that person's going to be better in the long run, than somebody who's going to score me runs versus an okay fielder. And they're going to be better because they're a plus defender, but a minus hitter. And then I got a player that can do both decently. You're going to tell me the other players better. That doesn't make any sense. Like, I just, I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. even like that Rudgman and that Dever stat right there, I don't care how many games they played. You could say they played the same amount of games. I don't Devers is a better player. I don't, I, there's no choice. There, well, there's, there's no other choice at this point, in this yeah, point. at this point. Yeah. Cause Rosman's uh, still, he's still very young. And so oh, is Devers okay. too. You know, okay. like I, but like I, at last year there's no way that Devers was not the better player. There's no way just because he's just because Redmond's better in four. Are you kidding
0: me? This <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
2: Redsman Ruff, played 113 games. Uh, Rafael Devers played 140
0: So not not as big of a difference as I had about a month.
2: About a month difference. Um, Yeah. So this next one, the the person who I thought would have won between them won, but he won by a lot more than I thought he would have won by. So the two I had were Julio or Julio Urias from the Dodgers and Alec Manoa from the Blue Jays.
1: Okay. I said, I'm gonna guess Alec.
2: Alec. It was Alec, but it was by a full win or however they they measure it. And then when you look at their stats, they had about the same innings pitched. Ar- Arise had a little bit less, about the same record. Um, but Arise had a better record – or a better ERA and better whip than Manoa, um, but finished with a lower war. Weird. Yeah, so again, one of those, like, they were close, but, you know, statistically – statistically very close across the board this season but Manoa finished a full point in front of Arise which to me again like just shows that the system isn't maybe 100% working as it it should Um, and then this last one I've already said this one to Rick and I might have said this one to you Justin but Andres Jimenez or Jordan Alvarez who do you think had a better war
1: well, I'm only gonna say Jimenez because we talked about him on the show the other day, and you're like, How are you not starting him? <laughs> I'm gonna choose him.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, Jimenez Jimenez had the better war despite Jordan blowing him out of the water in just about every offensive category. Um again, Andres Jimenez finished with a two point four defensive war, Alvarez with a negative point four. Uh Andres Jimenez had nine errors on the season. Jordan Alvarez had one. <laughs> Jesus.
0: It's it's crazy. I'll even add to that point. Who do you think had the higher war last year? Um, Shohei Ohtani or Jordan Alvarez?
2: Without I would one. guess Shohei last year. Yeah, Ohtani, yeah.
0: No, not even no. Really? No. Nice. No. Three, I'm almost positive that Alvarez has three it's if it's almost three more wins above average than Shohei. And the point being that um I do know that Alvarez plays the field. I do know he plays the outfield. I think he played 56 games. I looked it up, but he had 77 as a DH. And I know Shohei Otani is a I didn't look up how many games he pitched, but I do know he DH is also but i don't understand and i can't fathom how it would be that big of a difference nothing against alvarez but he doesn't No have pitch but alvarez isn't a
2: two-way player yeah yeah
0: so so that uh. was one of the statistics that kind of
1: i think it's i think it's hard to put anything with er- with in in anything because of the two-way player like
0: yeah
2: i mean hard. yeah
1: we've seen it but like it's been you know Exponential amount of years since we have so no one really knows how to stat him because at some point you got to stop giving him mvp just because he's a two-way player you know like he hasn't been the top five in like anything last year you know so it's like you got to stop giving him the the mvp because no one else is doing it and it's like yeah since no one else is doing it how are you just going to give it to him if he's got nothing to compare to you know but so, I do love Shohei, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, he's a
0: generation. I mean, the last <laughs> yeah. guy. To even exactly.
1: Remember. He's a once I generation How do you,
0: you, you stack that? You, and you have to remember that Babe Ruth only did one season of both, exactly. or like one and a half seasons. Yep. He, it, it, towards the tail end, he did it for a little bit together, but then he went off hitting because yep. he, he had already dominated pitching. He wanted to start dominating hitting, and boy, did he ever. He changed yeah. the way we play the game. But I'll we're going to – let's have a war class right now. I need both of you guys. It's my turn to ask a question. Explain to me the calculation for war.
1: I got you. I got you. I got it written <laughs> down. Oh, what a yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> did you but want I want you to explain you what it means to? as you do it.
1: Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, because there are some. So I'll, I'll read this part. This is what I found. And then you guys can help me understand what the heck it means. So I know what RBI is. So RBI plus fielding runs above average uh-huh. plus positional adjustment plus league adjustment, plus base running uh, base running runs, and then whatever the defensive stat is, is what I was able to find.
0: So this is what I brought up with Sabermetrics and analytics. They're great. I think they're great. They, they can really dive in and give you stuff that the the naked eye wouldn't see in a game. But even the most hardcore baseball fans can't really tell you what any of those things mean. I mean, they may be able to dig into it, but uh, truly when you're taking and Plussing, minusing dividing, I'm telling you nobody has like a really true understanding on there, and that metric, like you said, even just talking about it, makes your head spin
2: yeah. um, it
0: is not it is not a great indicator, and to to Charlie's point, defense is so heavily weighed in there that it affects you cannot tell me on some of these some of these examples that they're better players even last season, and you can't use war by itself. It can't, yeah. you can use it in a in a conversation debating on who's better but in the end it can't be your just sole argument it, it's just it's not yeah. a good gauge of players because one of the thing is there's just no standard war like other statistics you know you you have 300 is a great hitter tell me what's a good for war like what's yeah. like what are you looking for per season you know i there is no standard war it's just With these analytics, they're just an algorithm to get a desired result. I know I've said that before, but it's true. And I don't think that we should completely ignore other statistics. Like these, You have a lot of people nowadays, and this is going to upset some people, they want to use just the new analytics. You cannot take out the old analytics. They're still just as important. Some of them even use some of the old analytics in the formula for it, so you can't take them out. You know, when you're gauging MVP, I don't care what their record was for the team in the season. It's the most valuable player. I don't yeah. want you to tell me in war. One guy, so let's say you have a crappy replacement. You know what I mean? It's very possible you could have a higher war because you, you don't have a great backup. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and it also can depend, to Charlie's point, on the position. Those are things that I I don't think should matter. It should be it should be based off of numbers, and you can use those new analytics, but I think that you also have to still use the older analytics, the on-base percentage, the OPS plots, the total bases, the on-base percentage, hits, runs. You know, I still think those need to be factored in when determining the most valuable player. Like I said, a lot to Charlie's points. Yeah. That up, especially with those questions. What do you think, Justin? I know you went over some of your stuff.
1: Yeah, I just think I just think war is a useless stat. I, I just don't see it has any kind of advantage over another player. Like what I want to see, if I'm looking at a hitter, like to your point, I want to see what their on-base percentage was for, you know, the six years they've been in the majors. I want to see their home run totals. I want to see that average total, especially if I'm doing a power hitter. I want to see that average versus that home run total. That's what I want, you know. I don't want – I don't care if he's an okay fielder or a – like that's not the case here. Like I'm hiring a bat. I don't care what their war is, Mm -hmm. you know. Same thing for like if I'm hiring somebody for their for their position play, I want them for the defense. Like the Mets did with McCann, we hired him for his defense. We knew he wasn't going to hit. Let's be honest, we knew that wasn't going to
0: happen. You know, for a little, yeah. And it's like was nothing to bat an eye about.
1: Exactly, like he was. You know, we we hired him for his position play, and a lot of uh, you know New York being New York, they forget that. You know, and then they want to look at war. What's this war? It's like, come on, guys. Like, just get out of the war scenario. It doesn't make any sense. Do you but know higher war,
0: highest war? Highest ever war? And you guys? Mm-hmm. No, I have Babe no Ruth. idea. It is Babe Ruth. Do you know and just number two? Mm-hmm. Oh, who
2: is it? I, I saw it the other day. And I Mantle. Was, I don't know. No, it is not Mantle. You know what, <laughs> really? I, thought Ted, I thought it was Ted, Ted Williams, but I don't know if that's not. right. Think playing
0: it, it, it way too hard. It's very controversial, number two.
2: Oh,
1: Bonds.
0: Oh, Bonds,
2: obviously. Three Bonds.
0: And then yeah. number three is my fa- one of my favorite players, one of the uh, – what I consider one of the greatest of all time, uh, five-tool players. It is Willie Mays number three. Oh, yeah, okay. Name, to me is number one in war if he doesn't miss time. So Yeah.
2: So. Um, <laughs> but
0: that would be my next point. Is Jay hey, Charlie, this one's for you. Who had the highest war in 2017? You know,
2: 2017, that was, oh, that was Altuve's MVP year. I don't know if he, I don't know if he was the war leader or not.
0: I believe I'll have to double check, but I'm I... going
1: to say judge because that's who he stole it from.
0: Yeah. I was going to say I <laughs> both of the top two. I just
1: messed with you, Charlie. Don't kill me.
0: <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. My point would be just in general, despite the answer, which I can look up. And one, um, and one thing I will say is don't it know doesn't who it is.
2: seem like the MLB too heavily focuses on war. When they look at um, like uh, most of their awards, mm-hmm. um, for instance, in the in the American League, Dylan Cease had a better war than Justin Verlander, but they gave Verlander the Cy Young um, and stuff like that. And like we said, like in, in in the MVP voting, I think Jordan was third in the American League, third or fourth in the American League, and a I don't think was even top ten. Mm -mm. um so to i mean to the whatever mlb and now you know whoever whoever gives those awards out to their credit they aren't exactly focusing on war either
0: Mm -hmm. sometimes they do if it's a really close yeah i think if it's really
1: close they have to
0: um which
1: that's fine that's fine if it comes down to it you know you've looked at every other stat the only other stat there is is war that's 100 percent fine with me you know what i mean like
0: if you're using but, it as like by itself, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. It has no
1: like it has no leg to stand on in an argument. <laughs> like it's got nothing.
0: And to go back to your thing on Shohei Otani, I don't think it should generate him votes because he can do both. It's impressive. Right. Yeah, I exactly. Think we should just gauge it based on that. Uh, <laughs> right. But I don't want to put aside the fact that what he is doing is is we should be glad that we are getting to witness this because this does not happen often. There is, you can have guys that are comparable who can do different things. Um, I've seen guys play nine different positions in the field, and there is certain anomalies. But for somebody to be that good at pitching and to be that good at hitting and getting a chance to see it, um, the baseball, in case he goes to the National League, which nobody knows where he's going to go and what happens uh, after this year or during this year if he gets traded, Um, but I'm sure glad there's a DH everywhere. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that because that might have impacted where he went, but the fact that we have a DH, we know he can go anywhere at this point.
1: I think that's what that was kind of used for as well as a launching point for those types of players. I think we're going to, I hope, I hope we start to see that again, you know, come through pretty regularly. You know, as kids, that's all we saw, you know, kids can pitch, catch, hit everything. And um, I think for a long time, it was, now, don't get me wrong when I say this, because it's not easy, okay? But it was easier to focus on one position rather than to try to be best at both, you know? And I think we're going to start to see that now because a lot of college kids are coming up and they're doing they're doing the two-way. We'll see how it pans out. But hopefully we see more, but
2: probably not. <laughs> well, I think part of the problem is, like, well, yes, that universal DH does help somebody like Shohei Otani keep in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're going to see is, like, players in college and in and in the minors who are like, oh, I'm a pitcher. But when I get to the majors, I'm never going to have to hit even if I'm in the National League. Mm-hmm. Why would I focus on hitting? And so I think that will be a little bit of a turnoff for a lot of people. And, you mm-hmm. know, the you know, like, well, you know, I'm never actually going to have to hit. Um, so why would I focus on it? And so I could see that potentially that, you know, the universal DH potentially, you know, squashing that a little bit.
0: Yeah, because there's oh yeah,
2: hundred percent, one hundred percent.
0: But the other side of that coin is that they'll focus all but nothing on pitching, which could improve a lot of guys who are maybe on that cusp. But they put some time into hitting. You know, you could use that time that you would use for hitting to put more into your pitching. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think a lot of time, but
2: I just don't think it'll. I just don't think it'll result in more two way players. If anything, I I think it'll result in less two way players. Yeah. That's a good point.
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it'll result in the because then you'll have those players that want to come out. I mean, you look at it now. Shohei Otani is probably the biggest name in baseball – is the biggest name in baseball right now. Imagine all the kids he's aspiring to come up and be two-way players. It
0: is. A, it is you know, you got
1: to think about the future. It's not just these guys that are in college right now. It's all these kids that are going to come up in the next 20 years that have always played two-way players that want to be that Shohei Otani. I think we'll see it. It's we'll see it more, but not right away. I think it'll be more yeah. towards 20 years later, yeah.
2: I, just I think I think at some at some point those kids will realize like my best shot at getting Exactly. <laughs> is going to be choosing hitting or pitching. And especially yeah. with that universal DH, there's going to come a point where they're like, you know what? I'm I'm just going to become a pitcher or I'm just going to become a hitter um because it's, you know, it's a tough path and, you know, if you're, you know, working mm-hmm. from the minor leagues, you know, we've seen some people who have been really good at both um that you know come into the national league you know somebody lo- like we're talking about like a Noah Syndergaard or somebody like that but I just don't think with the the universal DH I just don't see a whole lot of people trying to come up as a two-way player
0: yeah I can see that yeah um real quick um before we move on to my topic a couple things uh, first one, I want a quick answer from you guys. Does Shohei, uh, Shohei, <laughs> Shohei Ohtani, Shohei Otani, if I could talk, uh, Shohei Otani, does he win uh, the MVP next year? Yes or no? Mm. Very if, if no one has He's that in mind. So, if, if no does. one
1: has a season, how Judge did, yes, he takes it now. Whether that be in the National League or the American League, we don't know yet. (laughs) I think there's, I think it's a harder chance for him in the National League to get MVP than the American League. That's just me spitballing and showing favoritism towards the National League. But, uh, (laughs) but um, I just, I just, I think he gets it regardless, unless somebody has a record breaking year like Judge had. I don't see anybody else getting that. (laughs) my opinion.
2: Charlie? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of season he has, because if he has another season where he's, you know, maybe slightly above average to average at the plate and, you know, slightly above average to average, you know, pitching again, it's like, well, do we give it to a player who's just slightly above average at what he does? You know, what happens if, you know, again, somebody else, not maybe not a historic season like Judge, but what if, you know, somebody else puts up some really big numbers, maybe like a you know, like a Goldschmidt type from last year where, you know, they're, you know, they're they're close to a triple crown. And then, you know, they're very clearly the best player, you know, the best hitter in the league in the national league. Like, well, do you give it to the guy who's clearly the best hitter in the league, or do you give it to the guy who's a a little above average at, at, you know, at both hitting and pitching? So my question
0: would be, I did some looking up. And would you consider uh, Alvarez having an MVP season last season?
2: Last season or this season?
0: Uh, So 2022.
2: Um, I mean, I think part of the problem is he was injured a little bit too much and didn't get the – I think, you know, he missed, I think, three weeks or four weeks, Um, or if he has those weeks, he maybe puts up, you know, 10 more home runs and, you know, 30 more RVIs, and then maybe he gets the MVP. But just just based on the season he had alone, probably not – You'd say he's
0: above average, like a lot, correct? I mean, well, yeah, you, I mean, I
2: think he's was top three hitters in the American League last year.
0: So when you bring up Otani and compare him, and you say he's slightly above average, I'm going to pull up the stats here just just to. So I mean, uh, there's uh, obviously Shohei played more games, so he played 22 more games. Uh, Jordan Alvarez had five more runs, but Otani had 16 more hits, one more double, four more triples. Uh, Alvarez had three more home runs, two more RBIs, but Shohei had um, ten more steals. Uh, walks were very similar. Strikeouts, Shohei had a lot more average. Uh, Alvarez had more, including on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Total bases was Shohei Otani. So very comparable. I mean, obviously, unless they're they real more damage, but I, they definitely have comparable numbers.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, they were they were comparable.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: with Alvarez playing 20 less games throw 20 more games in there for Alvarez yeah. it's a different story mm-hmm. and that was my point is like I don't yeah. think I don't think it was an MVP year for him last year because of the the you know missing those 20 games or no you know however many missed last year.
0: and my point just was is that Shohei did have a pretty good season last year it's I think people hold them that they, they want top and bolt like they're expecting to, now. Mm. now he had that really good year, they want top and bolt. Like it has to be. Anything above that, they're just considering him average, you know. And that's the yeah. other point to that. You either have people are like what he's doing is otherworldly, and then you have your people are like, if he's not excelling at bolt to Charlie's point, if he's not yep. top and bolt, then I you know, w- w- what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, so- I mean that's true. I mean, you can't call him you can't call him the best in baseball if he's not the best in baseball. You know, and if you're not top number you're just number two at that point so how how are we going to be like this guy's the best player in baseball if he's not top all the time that's that's my thing it's like if you're not top you're not the best that's that simple to me
0: all right who's ready for my fun topic
1: (laughs) well since i had to watch the movie again last night so i'm pretty excited about it
0: (laughs) okay my topic's going to be a little uh out of left field Um, I want these guys to take the cast of Major League, which is one of my favorite baseball movies, actually it is my favorite baseball movie, and I want them to use either historical or active players, Um, and I want them to either use their playing style or personality and basically come up with a player for each uh, cast member in there, um, which will be a lot of fun. And I will be going over Phil's so once Justin starts on this one, and then we go to Charlie, I will do mine, and then... Since Phil couldn't make it, he sent me a list prior, so I will go over Phil's. I don't have reasons why he chose them. I will actually probably ask these guys why they think he chose who he did, which will make it more fun. And then we'll close it out with some last, uh, maybe some quick topics, and then uh, we'll be good. So uh, we'll start with uh, Justin on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, So I had to rewatch the movie last night because I haven't seen it in years. Uh, So it was a lot of fun. Um, I forgot how great it was. So uh let's just jump in. So for Vaughn, Trip Mr. Charlie Sheen himself, I have as uh Matt Harvey, you know, uh, for the reason why, uh the famous nosebleed game. Um, the not showing up for practices, the hanging out with the models, the hanging out, and then just being absolutely dominant when he's in there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in the beginning of the movie he didn't have his rhythm, which is kind of like Harvey, and then all of a sudden he straightened up a little bit and then he's just got it. You know what I mean? So that's where I went with him. And then Willie Mays Hayes, Mr. Wesley snipes himself. I did uh, Mr. Smiles, Lindor, you know, Um, it just seems like they have that same kind of attitude, maybe not so much the same position, but you know, they're very happy all the time and ready to do stuff for the team and be being contributed any way they can, which was nice. Um, Jake, which was the catcher I have is Yadier Molina, Um, just for the fact that he's that, he's that glue that hold that, that held that team together. He showed them what was important and what was, what winning looked like and how to conduct themselves on and off the field. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Harris, uh, if you've watched the movie and the first time you meet him, he starts claiming he's got Vaseline all over his body. He's got some stuff behind his ear. He wipes snots on the ball. I'm going to go with Cole on that one, you know, for uh, Mr. Garrett Cole from the last couple of years of the sticky stuff situation. And I just feel like Cole in the clubhouse is very close to how Harris acts. Um, but you should watch the movie because that's how I feel Cole is. Um, Roger, the big shot, I call uh, Mr. Carrera. Um, just, you know, that, that high dollar thick guy that comes in and yeah, he might be great, but he's kind of an ass. (laughs) I feel like that's how that's going to turn out. Sorry for the language on YouTube, but you know, that's how it is. Um, and then I did the coach, uh, Lou as Buck Showalter. Uh, they seem to have that same kind of grit about them. They're very blunt, very honest. And they just seem like they're really nice people to be (laughs) around at the same time. And then my favorite one, I can I did cast Rachel. Um, which is the owner of the Cleveland Indians. And that's part in the movie. Um, I'm going to say whoever the hell owns Boston, um, that's who she is because what are they doing? Nobody knows <laughs> if they're trying to locate the team. They're trying to sell it. What's going on? You know? So I feel like that. And then I have Mr. Pedro. I did not cast Mr. Pedro because it made me uncomfortable to cast him uh, <laughs> with uh, all the stuff that he goes and dies and you know sacrifices chickens and stuff. Um, I didn't have anyone that came off top to, head uh, for that one, but that's kind of I just kind of chose personalities rather than play style or anything like that. So I just went with that one. It's a good set. I set. Uh,
0: what about you, Charlie?
2: A couple of the ones you had, I also had. Nice. Um, but I'll go over a couple different ones that I had. Um, I had Willie Mays Hayes as Willie Mays. Fair, fair enough. I, mean, I thought that that's kind of what they were going for in the first place. So that's what I went with. Um, you know, similar speedy, speedy center fielders. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I went with. Um for wild thing, I didn't really have a great answer. I thought your answer was pretty good, but I, I just went with Randy Johnson just because That's
1: a good one. I yeah. was playing with him too. Yeah. Yep. Um,
2: just, you know, has that killer fastball, but also is a little, uh, you know, a little wild maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the catcher is that I'm trying to Jack. remember who the catcher was. Jake Taylor. Pardon? Jake.
0: Jake Taylor was his That's name. That's right. Yeah. Jake yeah. Taylor.
2: I had, uh, I had Maldonado. Oh, good one. Okay. Um, just everywhere he goes, he's the same. It's kind of similar to Yadi, but he, you know, he's that guy that keeps the keeps the squad together. Um, you know, if you watch the Astros this year at all, you Maldonado was the glue that held that team together and and got them to the World Series. So, um, but most I think all I think like every other one of mine pretty well matched up with yours. Nice. <laughs>
0: Which ones did you have that Justin had?
2: Um, I had Garrett Cole the same thing. Nice. Um, I remember. I, oh, the coach I had different, but I, I didn't really. I didn't actually do the coach, so I didn't. Um, I just did it I of was of trying time. to think of one, but I couldn't think of anything for the coach. Um,
1: shoot, who else was on there? There's Roger, uh, the third baseman.
2: Oh i think I, I think i put uh alex rodriguez down as him but okay that's a good remember. one
0: i like i like, that doing that like one more than prima mine. Madonna one. like he like yeah. he, he was good defensively but you could see him being like i don't want to hurt my pretty face or he's yeah, like exactly. no
1: you're you're kind of yeah i could see that oh that's a good one i didn't yeah, think that about that really. i was trying to do today's players but no that's a good one i like that yep.
0: All right, we ready for mine? Mine will be a handful. I picked a couple. Let's okay. so hear have...
1: Phil's first. I want Phil's oh, first. You want Phil's first? I want Phil's first. What? Then we'll get to yours
0: because yours is going to be the most accurate. <sighs> That's <what I> <laughs> um, Let's see here. So Phil sent me a text message this morning. He has Jake Taylor as Gary Carter, which if I had okay. to speculate, mm-hmm. it's a guy who's been around. He can contribute. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's on uh, pretty good teams. Montreal, I know, didn't do all that well. The Mets teams, he was great on yep. uh, winning a World Series with them. Roger Dorney has a Steve Garvey. I thought that was thought that was pretty good. Squeaky clean image, you know, I would assume that's why he chose him. I'm sure he might tell us otherwise. Um, Ed, uh, Eddie Harris, he has Charlie Hoff, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, you have an older guy, so I guess, you know, maybe he's comparing it because um, he did – I, I assume he had a long career in that movie. Um, I don't know if they ever bring up, like, if he, if he was a journeyman, but Huff play, uh, played into his mid-40s, I would believe. He was a knuckleballer. Um, Pedro Serrano is, is Pedro Guerrero, slugger from the 80s. So um, I, I'm guessing, you know, big power hitters. So um, that was the comparison there. Willie Mays Hayes, he has his Ricky Henderson.
1: Oh, that's a good one. I like that one, too.
0: Very full of himself, using his name reference himself he's like ricky can do this ricky can do that so that, that very much fits to uh Mays hayes uh ricky vaughn he has mitch williams who was uh nicknamed the wild thing most famous uh people remember him for giving up that uh game-winning world series home run to joe carter and then lou brownie has his don zimmer old uh old cubs manager uh in the late 80s and most known for being thrown down to the ground by pedro martinez good
1: what he'd get catching the hands
0: thoughts <laughs> and feelings on Phil's choices they're good they're a little, yeah. bit, a little bit a little bit old school but they're good yeah, a little bit
1: dated but no they're solid absolutely
0: wrong with being dated nothing's
1: wrong with being dated it's just some of them I didn't know were.
0: I'm <laughs> the oldest one in here and so is. Phil. that's true you are 86 so. that's all, <laughs> all right Pedro Serrano I had Cecil fielder um reason i picked cecil fielder is you have a guy who could mash if, if you've never seen cecil fielder go watch him i mean he hit some home runs that went uh, close to being out of stadiums i mean this guy could mash and he just had that gentle giant personality which serrano has in the movie and another really good comparison which is funny that you bring this up justin um when you brought up sacrificing chickens yeah. My other one was Wade Boggs, who was super superstitious during the game, who he would add stuff in the batter's box and he would eat chicken and take only a certain amount of um, cuts in the batter's box or ground balls in the field. And Pedro Serrano is super superstitious in the movie. So he's very about superstition. Um, So that was my comparison there. Uh, Dorn, I have his Tome. Here's why. So Jim Tomey started his career at third base where Dorn plays and was not very good in the field at third base. I love Tomey to death, but I just got done watching the the Cleveland Indians documentary about their 90s team, and he was not great at third base, eventually moving to first base. Now, if you've ever watched that movie, Dorn can't even get a ground ball. Like, he just keeps booting them in the beginning. So that's why I compared that one to Tomei. Um, when you were looking at Jake Taylor, I did Joe Mauler. Charlie I like this one?
2: It's that's a, one. That's
1: yes, a good one too. Yeah, I like that. Uh,
0: 2004 to 2010, he had a lot of injuries, which Jake in the movie has really bad knees. And I know he yeah. didn't have like Mauer didn't have any like crazy bad knees, but they eventually moved him to first base because mm-hmm. of his leadership and and Jake Taylor has great leadership in the movie. Again, you guys brought it up, he's the glue that holds that team together, which that's how yeah. I felt with Mauer with those Twins teams. Yeah. He was he was the field general. Um, Willie Mays, I've got uh, a bunch. I've got Ricky Henderson, I've got Kenny Lofton or Bo Jackson. We obviously know why Ricky Henderson and Bo Jackson they Bo Jackson's a really
2: good
0: one. Yeah, they're really like self-promoters of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why. I mean, Generally, I want to say that that character was pretty much a mix between Willie Mays and Ricky Henderson. You know, mm-hmm. the personality of Ricky Henderson, but obviously was named after Willie Mays which was a great point. Um Ricky Vaughn I've got two I've got Mitch the obvious answer which is Mitch Williams cuz nicknamed the wild thing. Again if you haven't seen him pitch it's crazy. I mean he yeah. would pitch so hard he would fall off the mound. Um and I know Justin you do a lot of new stuff Charlie I know you're kind of a mixed bag with older stuff and new newer baseball but if you haven't seen Mitch Williams go watch him. I mean his windup was ridiculous. You wonder how he got the ball over the plate half the time. And the other one was Rick Ankeel, and I think you guys know why I chose Rick Ankeel. Yeah. He throw a strike. Poor guy. <laughs> he could throw a bomb from uh, center field and get a guy going to third base from the wall, but he couldn't yeah. throw a strike. So uh, that's why in the beginning, if you haven't seen it, he's knocking – Ricky Bonds knocking the heads off of, uh, uh, like, cardboard cutouts. So
1: That was Rick Keel right there.
0: Eddie, Eddie Harris is Gaylord Perry or Phil Necro for the simple thing that those guys were both known to use emery boards, fast mm-hmm. plans, not anything they could to get it to doctor the ball. Um, they also pitched well, probably into their forties. If I had to guess, I don't know for sure, but they were both journeymen who had very long careers. Um, and the last one that I did was who am I missing here? Oh, Lou Brown. I did uh, either Lou, Lou Pinella or Bobby Cox.
1: Oh, Bobby Cox is, three, is such a, good, good, one, a good one, dude. That's so good.
0: <laughs> because Bobby Cox would get ejected. And and if you remember, Lou has a temper in that movie. So Bobby Cox would be quiet, kind of how Lou was in the movie. But he would literally jump out, out of the dugout and get ejected. if he He's he got the
1: most ejections, right? Correct.
0: Yep. Yeah. And Penelope was just a hothead. So if you remember, I can't remember if it's the first or second. I want to believe it's the second movie. He actually goes to the hospital because of like his heart because he gets so worked up and Pinella I felt like there was a couple times watching Lou Pinella get ejected where I'm like how is this guy not having a stroke heal like he was popping blood vessels in his head screaming <laughs> so what do we think about what I <laughs> mean about what we just got done <laughs> How are you feeling about my picks
1: now oh your picks are great they're perfect those are really, yeah, those are really good
2: picks yeah
0: they'd be the better ones nah no i think everyone's picks were good as long as you've got the reasoning for it i mean obviously if you're like i just picked this random guy because whatever (laughs) you guys had really good reasons to back him up i like i said i can't speak for phil other than because he didn't give me reasons he just gave me the guys that he chose Mm -hmm. gotcha um i think we'll close it up uh the one of the last things i wanted to bring up is something i saw on tiktok so probably every week i will probably throw out something i've seen on tiktok just to get your guys' thoughts so surprise
1: surprise <laughs>
0: um we had a discussion on my tiktok uh that ben verlander put out and i put out a video uh, and i just want your guys' thoughts before we close it up If you're a baseball player what do you feel like you would rather do hit a home run or rob a home run we'll start with charlie I'll give you some time too because it's. I, I, these guys did they know the topics prior, so they have a chance to do some research. This one, they did not.
2: Well, it, it depends on the situation. If we're talking like game winning home run robbery, I'll take that. But if we're talking just, you know, like I don't think anything will be ever be to walk off home run. I mean that's that's got to be the best feeling in all of baseball. So I think I think I would take home run probably nine times out of ten. Like I said, depending on the situation.
0: Okay,
1: Justin. Um, I th- I would rather, in my opinion, I'd rather I'd rather rob the home run. You know, because that's game winning. You know, like yeah, to Charlie's point, walk off is arguably the best. I think that's the best visual. But I think as a player, I think robbing. The game-winning or the tying home run, I think, because, I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard to say because, like, I've hit a home run before, but I was a child. <laughs> you know, like I was a kid. It's a little bit different. Uh, but I've never robbed a home run. I haven't had that feeling. So I would I would say robbing a home run.
0: So I'll, some of the comments in the chat. First of all, I chose hitting a home run, and I went to Charlie's mm-hmm. point. There is nothing. The yeah. way I heard Scott Pasednik talk about his game winning home run in the World Series, the walk off from game two, which most people forget. Um he had no home runs in the regular season. He had two in the postseason, including one in the World Series. He said when he hit that home run, he had guaranteed rate Field or the Cell, whatever. <laughs> um the names change so often now. Um, what happened was he said he fe- he never felt his feet touch the ground. Mm-hmm. So I've
1: heard that a lot he
0: Felt like he was walking in air the entire time because of adrenaline. Um, and the three videos I showed when I gave my answer was Joe Carter's walk off home run, which we just talked about. Um, I did the Kirk Gibson home run, which made me become a fan of baseball in the 1988 World Series. Um, and the can't believe I just I can't believe what I just saw. And then the last one was Bill Mazarowski's walk off home run against the Yankees. If you didn't get a chance to see that one, he's so elated he's like swinging his helmet as he's like rounding the bases. And the Pirates were never supposed to beat um, the Yankees that year. It was Game Seven. So those three and some of the comments, like I said, I have a person saying don't forget Dave David Freeze's home run in 2011. World Series. Uh, There's two big ones in that game. Um, but a couple of people brought up your point, Justin. They basically said if you've robbed a home run, the feeling is crazy because a home run, if you hit them all the time, they become less... It becomes numb.
1: It becomes numb.
0: You Whereas robberies I mean, don't happen very often. Even Adam Engel, who's one of the best at it, only has a handful of them.
1: I'm going to say, look at last year's Brandon, Brandon Nimmo's robbery. Would that what that did for that game is incredible. Like the, the complete atmosphere of everything changed when that happened. Now, yes, to your point, I yes.
0: got this devilish look, I at, look at Jordan
1: Alvarez
2: walk off against the Mariners. No,
1: that's what I was going to <laughs> say.
0: That's what I was going to say. Or
1: but, the
2: Mariners, like, Mitch Haniger walk off to make, send them to the playoffs.
1: No, hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a great feeling. It's just, I think in my, in my, in my own thing, I think a robbery is better for me to witness than an actual home run. Um, because I see it all the time, like Rick's point. I see that all the time. Like, yeah, I see a bomb. Cool. Like, that's cool. It's it like the shoreber shot in Philly over. I think it was the World Series where you hit that thing like 500 feet. That was great to see, you know. But like, I've seen it. I have. I don't see too many home run robberies. And if job that job. ever happens in a postseason, I think that's the equivalent to hitting a walk off. You yeah. know, if that were to happen, I think it really just depends on the situation. But my personal, opinion, I would rather see a robbery in a game. Game-saving robbery home run than than hitting a walk-off, in my opinion. It depends on the situation. Exactly, it all depends on the situation.
0: Walk-off, hundred percent, it's hitting a home run, hundred percent for me. But that guy in in the messages on TikTok did bring up a great point. If you're just talking about standard robbery, not even end a game to just a regular home run, the robbery's probably going to take it if you think about it. Just a standard home run. So if you're, you yeah, it doesn't have to be a walk off. Standard home run. Yeah. Do you think home run number 12 really makes a difference unless it is a walk off? Or right. what if he robs a home run? He doesn't do that often. So him as a baseball player may value that, that robbery. But if we're talking walk offs, a hundred percent, it, it yeah. is, it is the home run, Charlie, like you said, without question. So, yeah.
2: As a, Somebody who lived in Minnesota for a long time. The home run that they always would show is that Kirby Puckett walk-off home run yep. to win the World Series.
0: Yep. My favorite uh, home run robberies, I got a couple of them real quick before we go. Andy Chavez, Mets.
2: That's a
1: good one.
0: Oh, man, I thought that ball was going over. He, like, snow-coned it.
1: Yeah, I don't um, know how he held on to it. <laughs> I
0: think Roland hit it. I think Roland hit it. I thought. Yeah, I think
1: Roland did it, and he just somehow was able to grab that. I don't. I don't understand it.
0: If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It is Kenny Lofton. And I, it's called the like I think it gets referenced as the Spider-Man catch.
1: Because is that the is he, that the Barry Bonds one where they ran out in the field and like hugged each other? No, or is that
2: the Hunter. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, that was Tor- I was gonna say the Torrey Hunter one. Yeah, that's a good one. Tory Hunter.
0: He, he he Sir and he hits one and Kenny Lofton has to run to the wall climate he's not super tall and he almost has his back to it as he goes up and he goes over the fence with his glove i mean it's
2: that's uh, insane that was in cleveland right correct yeah Yeah, that was a really good one that's crazy all
0: right any closing stuff from you guys before we go it'll be the same time next week um give us a couple weeks or maybe next week we may go live just depending on uh what's going on if not you'll be able to check us out ducks on the pond podcast on youtube justin any final words
1: um no no final words just uh well i guess there is just follow me on tiktok if you want to see random lists
0: <laughs> like it charlie no i don't get anything God, you guys are always men of few words <laughs> well our comments are turned on
1: now so our viewers <laughs> should uh viewers not- should give us some topics
0: <laughs> i do talk there you go. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, Please subscribe and like, and we'll see you guys next week.